Blog Talk Radio. Here at ACO Radio, American Communications Online, or any affiliated stations or websites are not responsible for what guests, hosts, or call-ins may say. All programming is intended for informational and entertainment purposes only. Happy St. Patrick's Day to the world. Happy, happy, happy. We are live on planet Earth, and we're excited about that. I am your host, Teresa J. Morris, and producer today for Richard T. Knight, who is of the St. Patty's Day um, lineage, I guess one might say. He's going to help us today launch officially for 2021 that we're back. So we can start our ACO club and our Patreon. And uh, there's a lot of stuff that you won't be able to see in writing today because we had a lot of trouble getting uh, through today. It was a really busy day. But I will do my best to introduce you to Patreon.com is where we're using the software to uh, put our different groups together. But ACO club is going to be the acronym and – the holding company, I guess you could say, for our people because we're going to use the brand. And uh, I'm building a community called American Communications Online, which we do all kind of things out there for all the entrepreneurs and business people and people that enjoy what we do. And we are going to be sharing philosophy and history and parapsychology and metaphysics and the cosmos. But today, Richard's got something planned for us, and I'm going to turn the show over to him. And when Marcy calls in, we'll have her come on, Marcy Kosich. Now, Richard will be talking to you from Valdosta, Georgia. I'm in Gulf Breeze, Florida. And Marcy's calling in from Reno, Nevada, or Nevada, Nevada. But, uh, Richard, go ahead and tell people whatever it is that you want to be known for, because on the Psychic Network channel or Psychic Channel Network, and ACO Club, we've got all kind of little videos we want people to see. It's open source information and creative comments out there. But you take over, and I will mute, and I will watch for your co-host. Go ahead. All right. Yeah. Well, greetings, everyone, and a happy St. Patrick's Day to everybody, wherever you might be. Of course, this is the one day of the year you're all allowed to be Irish, you see. Now, me, I'm, I don't even know, I can't even tell you how many generations I'm alone in the party. But anyway, uh, the standards of Irishness go back in our family over 5,000 years. So that's a very long, long time, roughly speaking, about 50 generations. And I'm the, one of the last, one of the last, if not possibly the last living cousin to the last R-Rai or High King of Ireland, Brian de Boru. So therefore, I am welcoming you in an Irish tradition in a Gaelic, you know, Abends and Begoren, which means have a good day and a great life, and uh, that kind of thing. So anyway, uh, and yes, uh, TJ and I, or Teresa and I, are, are launching the ACO Club all anew, um, and it has several levels and several associations, and we have places for entrepreneurs to join, and we have places for different associates to join, and if you want to just be plainly a member, there's a, it's all spread out for you on Patreon.com. And it's a wonderful, wonderful organization. It has many tiers and many levels. And like she says, we have pretty much every topic in regards to the occult, in regards to ascension, in regards to parapsychology. It's all under the umbrella. 
So, you know, uh, today is basically centrally devised to address metaphysics, and metaphysics is, the un- is another grand umbrella that's been around now for, oh, since about the 1920s anyway, and I've seen it go through three metamorphoses, and it's not that the end of the information has metamorphosized that much is that the language has metamorphosized. You see, you know, back in the 60s, we spoke one way, and back in the 80s, we spoke another way, and now, of course, we're in 2021, and we spoke yet a, we speak now yet a third way. So there's just, it's like I said, the language changes a wee bit so we can tweak each other's minds and say, oh, yeah, I, I recognize what you're talking about. And, of course, we all join on the same street, and then we all sit down in the same park, and we all gather around the same tables, and we have a roundtable discussion as to whatever the topic might be. And we're all welcomed, of course, to bring in our opinions and bring in our experiences and, of course, our spiritual overall uh, life journey that has basically gotten us to where we are now. So that's where we be today. Now, um, the ACO, which is like uh, Teresa said, American Communications Online, it stands for a lot of different aspects and a lot of different, there's ace folk life and there's all kinds of other things, uh, a grandiose umbrella of lots of different groups all over the world. And some of them are, are very, very active and, and we need to get connected with you so that we can bring about a round table so that we can have roundtable discussions with all the presidents and all the acting chairs and all the various groups and so forth and uh, that kind of thing in the future. And then, of course, we've also created the Ascension Church Ohana, which, of course, Ohana is a Hawaiian name for uh, family or family gathering. So that's in two is basically we're broaching the topic of the Ascension Age, which basically Ascension, to put it in a short and sweet sentence, you would say that a person has become aware to the degree that their consciousness has awakened to allow them to become aware of the fact of who they are and where they are and possibly even where they have come from. So they not only know their origin, but they also know the level of consciousness that they basically came into this incarnation with and of course they become awakened in the fact being that you know they can resort to that mental consciousness at any given moment or they can actually step up into it which would mean basically you know they're they're becoming more of their spirit self and they step up into that consciousness and therefore they can ratify that that part of themselves as being authentic and so on and so forth and they become more and more and more genuine and authentic in regards to who they truly are and not necessarily give in so much to who we're conditioned into believing that we should be. So with all that said, uh, I had initially decided that I was going to uh, go over some tips in regards to remote viewing. Remote viewing is a skill that everyone and anyone can develop. It is a psychic tool, okay? And basically, uh, there are probably about eight steps to creating it. The first step, of course, is you need to be in a quiet atmosphere where there are no distractions. You turn your phones and your radios and your TVs off, and hopefully you're not expecting any company or any guests in the near future. And you find you a nice, relaxing chair, okay? And you can sit and you completely quiet your mind as best as possible. In other words, you want to relax your mind to such a degree that basically the normal chatter that is there of all your secondary thoughts, like you're second-guessing yourself or you're wondering about this going on or that going on or what the outcome of this is going to be or the outcome of that is going to be. You allow all that to just basically go dim down 
so that it basically just becomes part of the background until eventually you don't even notice it anymore. So it's semi an altered state from the aspect being that you're in a, in a state of meditation because you've quiet your mind, but at the same time, you're also very wide awake. Now, you know, I'm sure everyone is very familiar with your imagination, and our imagination is also a very good tool. It allows you to create artistically any scene or any body or any particular location or buildings or anything of that nature, and you can focus your mind, allowing your imagination to bring forward a vision into the center of your forehead or what they call the brow chakra, which is also your third eye, okay? And you sit there and you just take any images you might have, and let's say you take a, a piece of paper and a pencil or whatever, and you just draw whatever image immediately comes to your mind, okay? Now, with practice over time, what happens is these images become crystal clear, and it's as though you're looking at a movie screen, and you're actually seeing these screens or these places or these people move around you as though you were actually physically there. And this is what is termed remote viewing, okay? But, of course, it is a very honed skill, okay? It takes a good, a good deal of time, of course, to quiet all the mind chatter because that's an obstacle in and of itself. And any, anyone that practices meditation will tell you that. But you've got to focus and allow the mind chatter to become quiet so that, in turn, your mind itself is basically very quiet and that kind of thing. And then you go to your toolbox and you pull out your imagination, all right, and you focus on your imagination, and you can do anything you want to do with your imagination. You can picture a waterfall. You can picture a mountain. You can picture a desert. You can picture an ocean. You can picture buildings. You can picture places. You can picture places you visited. You can picture family members or friends and places they may be or they might be that you visited with them or that they may be living in and so on and so forth. And over time, you eventually focus and focus and hone your imagination and you hone the skill of your vision, okay? The vision is the actual skill itself, all right? Because what you're attempting to do is look into another place, even though you're consciously wide awake and well aware of your surroundings immediately where you are at the moment, okay? So you do this in practice, and I would say, you know, it's going to vary from person to person because some of them are naturally gifted, some are naturally gifted psychics, some are naturally gifted sensitives, some are in disciplining their mind. Uh, some, some people can quiet their mind almost instantly. Other people have to take a, a bit of a trial and error kind of thing at it. But anyway, once the mind is quiet and the imagination is honed in so that in turn the imaginary field becomes open in front of you so that any and, any and all given things can appear in that field of imagination. And then, of course, you start practicing and you write drawings. You know, you, you create drawings, perhaps, if you're an artist, or you could create nothing but a tablet, some notes, and saying, well, you know, on this day I went to such and such, and on this day I went to such and such, and so on and so forth. Keep a journal of it. Or if you're an artist, then, of course, you could do actual drawings and images of where to, wherever it is you happen to be. So, again, the first three steps, first off, have a completely secluded area where you can completely relax in total without any kind of distractions from the outside world at all. Second thing, make sure that you're able to quiet your mind chatter and eventually successfully completely quiet your mind. 
But you're going to pick up your imagination, all right, which we utilize every time we open our eyes and look, basically speaking, because our eyes are doing nothing more than reflecting back to us color vibrations and color codes and so forth that we determine from past experience that this is a building and this is a house and this is a truck and a car in front of us and so on and so forth. And it's all energy fragmentation that's being displayed upon the retinas of our eyes, and that's what gives us the colors and depth. Uh, designated shapes and so on and so forth and so anyway you take your imagination and you focus and you journal it okay or you draw with it and eventually uh, you're going to get so that's four skills right there you're, the fifth one basically is you're going to hone that skill into saying okay I want to visit so-and-so or I want to look in on so-and-so okay and at first you use a given person simply because if you use a given person such as a relative or a good friend that you know specifically and you can create a phone contact with you can tell them you know you you can you can use your remote viewing to look in on them and picture what it is they're doing and then you jot it down and then you call them after the fact and you say well you know I just was thinking of you and I happened to see you doing this and of course if your remote viewing skill is honed in and you actually perceived what exactly they were doing at the time, then they will confirm to you, they will validate for you, you know, that in fact, well, that's kind of uncanny because it just so happens that's exactly what I was doing, like preparing dinner or maybe watching a movie or, you know, maybe swimming in a pool or something. It doesn't matter what they were doing. What matters is, is that they validate that what you saw in your mind's eye is specifically what was going on with them at the time that you called, okay? So that's tool number six. So then, you see, once you get it all down pat, okay, and I'm not, like I said, everyone is different. Some people pick this up right away and can start remote viewing tomorrow, okay? And then other people pick it up a week from now or two weeks or a month or a year from now. Again, it depends on your focused concentration, because you have to have pinpoint focused concentration to quiet your mind, use, use your imagination in such a way without, you know, without focusing on anything at, at first. You just allow your imagination to bring up a picture to you. And then in turn, you're going to focus it, tune into a specific person or friend, family member, whoever, and you're going to see what they are doing. And then in turn, you're going to draw or make notes thereof and call them after the fact, and they're going to verify that what you saw was true. And then in turn, of course, uh, you begin using this gift on a regular basis, and the more you use it, <coughs> excuse me, the more you use it, the more skilled and apprehensive, uh, completely uh, pinpoint accurate you become because you're constantly using it. And it becomes like any other mental tool that you possess in your mind. And that's, in a nutshell, remote viewing. Now, of course, there are also other similar events, and they're called out-of-body experiences, okay? And these are basically, uh, they can be dream states, but they can also be states of the mind from the aspect being that, you know, uh, you want to be in a certain place, okay? And again, you're relaxed, and your will is so strong that that's where you want to be. It's like for a brief few seconds or even possibly a brief few minutes, all right? Suddenly you are, it's like you're in more than one place at the same time. Because not only are you where you are physically in, in the real reality of where you're, where you're living or where you're staying at or where you happen to be physically, but all of a sudden you have this perception that you're actually somewhere else. 
okay? And now, of course, we do this all the time in our dreams, okay? Our dreams take over our imagination and they take over our consciousness to the largest extent. And part of our consciousness goes to sleep, which basically closes out all that mental chatter that you normally have to kind of argue yourself out of to a degree. And you go into the dream state, and of course there are several different layers of, of dream state. You know, you can have vivid dreams, which basically are dreams that are so real, it looks, they actually oftentimes wake you up because you believe wholeheartedly that what's transpiring as a dream is actually something that you're living out at the moment. And so you might become wide awake with that. Uh, then, of course, there are controlled dreams where you actually are not only in a, livid, in, a, in a vivid dream, but you're actually taking control of the dream and saying, okay, well, I'm going to experience this, and I'm going to interact with that, and I'm going to speak to so-and-so, and so on and so forth. And this is what you call a controlled vivid dream, okay? And then in addition to that, of course, there are regular dreams where basically 90% of the time we don't even remember them, or if we do, they really have to be very significant or very odd, for us to have a memory of them when we awaken. And then, of course, uh, there's wishful dreams where, you know, you, you just go to, go to bed with the most pleasant thoughts and allow your dreams to take you wherever the pleasant thought is, okay? And that's another layer. And then, of course, there are um, out-of-body experiences which are normally also in this vein referred to as astral projection. Now, in astral projection, it is said that the spirit of the person's body or the spirit consciousness of the given individual person, okay, lays down in bed, relaxes completely, and they, you can use mantras, which is, you know, various vocalized chants, or you can use uh, mudras, which is drawing, drawing sigils in the air, or you can focus your attention on a candle flame, or you can uh, focus your attention on a particular painting that you like, or you can focus your attention on music that relaxes you. Any of these tools are all good tools from the aspect being that you're pulling your focused attention away from your normal conscious mind and focusing on whatever the item happens to be, okay? And uh, once you've, again, this is uh, something that we do every night, but we, do, we are seldom, if ever, conscious of it. Um, it's said commonly that most people travel 100 times a week. That's a great deal of traveling, but we don't remember most of it. Now, of course, in astral traveling, your conscious, your spiritual conscious self is leaving your body behind, okay? And sometimes people experience like a great rush of energy as they're stepping out. Some people can actually look back and see their body re re relaxed completely in the bed, okay? They can look down on themselves, and then in turn, they're whisked away to what, what I would classify as either fields of energy or fields of vibration or possibly even dimensions themselves, okay? In which case, the astral plane is, is it's a different dimension from what we experience here in the fact being that this is a plane of existence where spirits themselves can interact with each other with no hamperage from a physical being. In other words, our energetic spiritual selves can go and actually have conversations with all kinds of persons at any given moment in anywhere in the astral plane, and the astral plane is a very, very large place. So in turn, you know, you have uh, a great dialogue, say, with a past teacher or some kind of instruction or, you know, even meet other beings from other dimensions because the astral plane allows 
it's it's kind of like uh, a playground between dimensions. In other words, you know, any any and all dimensions dimension travelers can actually meet there and interact with each other, usually through conversation or you know uh, the exchange of information and that kind of thing. And then in turn, <clears throat> you return to your body. Well, fortunately, there is what they call a silver cord, okay? And the silver cord is like a, an energetic uh, link between your spiritual consciousness and your actual physical body. And this cord, or silver, silver link, or silver cord, as it's called, basically stays attached to your consciousness the whole time that you're away from your, from your body. So if something happens in the room where you're physically at, okay, and it disturbs your body in any way, you might suddenly find yourself rushed back to your body, and that would be called kind of like a forced return, okay? And these can be uh, semi-dangerous from the aspect being that you're rushing into your body and your spiritual consciousness has not had the advantage of being a slow return, rather it's a rushed return. And I only say it's dangerous in the fact being that you're going to feel rather strange in once again that you're in your body because you were just outside of it, and so you're you're going to be somewhat uh, confused or possibly even um, scattered about. You know, you, you may feel a scattered sensation in your mind. You may feel a scattered sensation in your brain. Uh, you know, you could, if you had just come away from somewhere very distant, you could even find that your pulse were up. You know, and your heartbeat is is beating a hundred, you know, a hundred or two hundred beats a minute, and all this kind of thing, because you're excited about where you just came from. And so, this is astral travel, okay? And it's been written about thousands of times. There's hundreds of books out there about it, and they all are basically going to tell you the same thing. Now, you can also use guides. You can also use assistance to help you actually leave your body especially if you've never done it before, at least on a conscious level, then, of course, you might want the assistance of a close friend or possibly a relative or a spirit guide or any of, uh, even a being from an entirely different dimension could actually come and assist you in helping you get out or come out of your body on a spiritual conscious level. Because naturally, normally, our spiritual consciousness is the highest port of consciousness that we actually have while we're alive. And our regular consciousness, of course, is that which is our mental selves, our emotional selves, and our psychic selves to some extent. And then, of course, you have your lower consciousness, which is the consciousness of your body. And, of course, we have the autonomic uh, nervous system, which basically runs our body as far as our breathing and that kind of thing for us and our heartbeat. We don't have to tell our bodies to you know, make our hearts beat, or we don't have to remind our bodies to breathe. That's done on a, on a dynamic, automatic, automatically for us. So all of that good stuff goes on. And then so you could look at it kind of in an aspect of being layered, okay? You have your physical self which with your physical senses and, of course, your, all of your internal workings and harmonious systems, is your nervous system and, and all this kind of stuff all laid out in your body, okay? And you're conscious of it from a mental aspect in the fact being that you're mentally aware that you're alive and you're breathing and you're looking and you're, you know, you may be talking to somebody or you may be driving somewhere or you may be, uh, you know, having a good interchange. Uh, you might be sitting down to have a nice meal out at a restaurant or possibly enjoying, you know, a friend by or 
possibly going to visit relatives and enjoying a meal with relatives and this kind of thing. And these are all undertaken, or you could say recorded even to a large extent, by your conscious mind that dwells within your physical self, okay? So then you, you step a, a portion above that, and you have, you would call it your psyche or your um, the gifts that you may have intuitively, okay, such as the clairs, like clairsentience, clairambience, uh, all of these different faculties that match your physical senses, only they're on a psychic level rather than just limited to your physical self. And this would be your psychic mind, okay? And then you go a level above that, and there, now you're getting into your spiritual self, okay? And this is your spiritual consciousness. And your spiritual consciousness, of course, is the one that's actually giving you life, okay? Because as spiritual beings, that is what we do. We come into these lives, and we inhabit these physical selves, and we are a spiritual being. We are a spiritual being having an actual uh, We're spiritual beings having an actual physical spiritual beings having an actual physical incarnation and a physical experience or a physical journey while we're on the plane of the earth. Okay? So that's basically a rundown of that. And of course, um, you know, I don't know if, if Marcy has joined us. Uh, TJ, if you would like to come back in, you're welcome to come back in. Um, but that was basically the, the, the pretty much the, because I want everybody to be aware that there are several aspects of your consciousness, and it's very, very important that you understand this, because when we start talking ascension, we are talking about a given individual awakening to become more authentically who they are, okay? And the person we're speaking of, in fact, is their spiritual consciousness. All right, I'll speak spiritually that Marcy Kosich has joined us, and I'm here too. So, Richard, what would you like to do? Let's uh, do a roundtable discussion today on metaphysics with Marcy Kosich of Reno, Nevada, and yours truly. We're all in pass, and we are all going to be teaching classes with others. A lot of our friends are all uh, in the same metaphysical community, heart math or uh, ascension this or ascension that and uh, portals to other dimensions and a lot of the events we have in 2021 are simply setting up groups for their people in their groups and all their social media groups which people know that's free uh, Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter and all that but you know we're all out there and a lot of us are practitioners and a lot of us want to know each other and then we'll meet at the events but right now We'll uh, start doing a few more radio shows, Fridays, Saturdays maybe. But Marcy, you want to say hi to everybody and introduce yourself? And Richard started off here, and then we'll uh, go from there. But go ahead and introduce yourself, please. Hi, my name is Marcy, and I'm clairvoyant, clairaudient, clairsinian, an author, and I do tones, and I've incorporated a lot of my different experiences from what I learned from when I was born up until now. And like Richard was talking about astral projection, when I was about 18, I was like dabbling in all this stuff, and my boyfriend had to move to Florida. So I would hear him telepathically, because what we do is we have these psychic lines 
or what they call cords, and the cords can be very, very thin or they could be very, very thick. And a lot of times I would hear them telepathically, and the more connected we are, the more thicker we have these cords. So sometimes we astrally project to those people, or people think that we're crazy because we're hearing them. And um, we're, part of our spirit isn't even aware it goes to where it is. But when I did talk to Jim when I was about, like, 18, I said, I'm seeing you because he's from Mississippi and Florida. Um, and I said, I'm seeing you wearing, like, a gray gray hat with rings. And he was saying he was wearing a coon hat, which I guess is a raccoon hat. You guys in the South may know more of that more than I do. But it's been different journeys and experiences. Also, when I was doing off-air work and I started working there and I was driving the car, and the father was like, oh, you're out of your body. I didn't know what that meant. So there's been different elements in energies and dimensions because dimensions are just levels of consciousness. So the fifth dimension is a frequency, the third dimension is a frequency. And as we get higher and higher on our dimensions, we get higher and higher hertzes. And so we will see, feel, and hear different dimensions on energies that are going on. So I thought I was going crazy because I would see, feel, and hear all this stuff that I didn't know anything about um, before. So on all this, I now, a lot of times when I work on people being a medic intuitive, I will astral project to the person and I will pull out the energy levels or my guides will pull out energy levels of stuff that people can't see or feel or hear. And another thing as far as working, doing healing work, it's really impossible to work on yourself. You can't be objective. So I would go to Richard. I would go to several of my friends. I would go to what you see, feel, and hear that, that's going on. I was talking to Shana yesterday, and she goes, there's a green diamond emerald that's right next to your heart chakra. So different energies or different things would pop up that we would um, have either released or we work through or the energies that, that are going on. So like Richard will astral project to me, like right before the radio show, he's like, get on the radio when we didn't know we had problems. And I went to the bathroom and then he, he called me like two seconds later. And I'm like, I was going to call right when I get off. So on certain levels, that's the way we communicate. That's the way animals communicate. And as we acknowledge our animal instinct as a hunter or the hunted and say, okay, I am feeling this, I am hearing this, sometimes people will put cords on us, like my boyfriend at one time was going through an operation. There was a clutch at my stomach right during the operation. Or when he moved away, he was right next to me. And I said, what are you doing? And he goes, at such and such time, because he was in Missouri, this was another one than the first one, and he goes, like, you know, I was on a date. And I go, well, you must have been bored. And a lot of times when people are bored, they do check out of their body, or as TJ may know being a truck driver, they've had studies that the road is hypnotic or hypnotizing, and so we go kind of in this dazed energy of just, kind of almost like I have to multitask, watch TV, play on the computer, um, listen to music, 
all to keep me in my body. Other than that, I float away. Just a few examples of, you know, what I've experienced. As far as the telepathy, my first friend, Don, that when we were practicing doing this, I would smoke weed with him and his brother and I and him. Because um, sometimes we does open this up. Uh, I don't do it anymore because it makes me ultra-aware and ultra-antisocial. So we're still very telepathic. We're still friends. We lost contact, but then we recontacted each other. And if friends are at the same frequency, like the same dial, like, you know, T. Jamie and Richard and my other friends, then we pick up the conversations by telepathy or astral projection quite easily. CJ? I'm done. <laughs> can you hear me? I have been on mute. Yeah, I can hear you. Can I hear you? All right. Well, Richard, on metaphysics, and today it's St. Patrick's Day, do we want to do anything special to let people know that uh, they can get in touch with us on social media, but we're not just about social media because we want to build something much more for people, kindred spirits, to find each other. But we're asking anyone, anything paranormal or metaphysical, they get spiritual in nature, uh, if they would like to uh, let us know what they're about. And they, too, can join our group, and we'll be more than happy to speak with them. But what topics do you feel comfortable with for uh, today? Since uh, I apologize to everybody, we got an hour late start. Nothing we all three could do about it because it was internally with Box Nest and Zagaya and Drake getting on. But anyway, we worked it out. So sometimes you just got to be persistent. I wasn't real sure. None of us were real sure. But, Richard, uh, during the time, you were telling me there's no St. Patrick's Day celebrations or anything. Is that just in Valdosta or you mean worldwide? I mean, I, I think that's I, I, I'm pretty sure that's nationwide, simply because the pandemic restrictions are still in place where people are supposed to be masking when they go out in public. They're supposed to keep six feet apart and all of this. And now, you know, it's varying from state to state because naturally the governors are the, you know, the ones that set the rules and the laws and the policies for their particular state. And, of course, Texas has lifted some of the restrictions, but they still are holding out some of the restrictions are still in place. So, you know, with no large gatherings of people, that being one of the foremost restrictions, then, of course, there's not going to be any parades, okay? And there's not going to be any huge public gatherings, which would normally, uh, I mean, normally when you have a parade for St. Patty's Day, for example, you'd probably have... Who knows, a couple of thousand people lined up on each side of the street as the floats and, and the various participants of the parade come down the middle of the road. And, you know, sometimes you'd be, be throwing necklaces and sometimes you'd be throwing little small trinkets and gifts and the Shriners would be involved and all kinds of various groups would take part in the celebration of St. Patsy's Day. But, I mean, you know, as far as this particular city, no, this particular city has not really been known but you go due east of us to Savannah, and Savannah has one of the largest St. Patty's parades in the East Coast, okay, outside of New York and Chicago, of course. And last year it was completely canceled. As far as I know, 
This year it's not taking place today either. All right. Well, uh, we can at least talk about the St. Patrick's Day origins, folks, and celebration. Now, a global celebration of Irish culture, a lot of us understand, and you think of the St. Patrick because it's the saint of Ireland in the history, but you can pull it up if you want. And look on History Channel. I don't know if they're going to have a special, but uh looks like they have a history back celebrated March 17th, anniversary of the death of the 5th century Irishman who, uh, well, History Channel logo will get out of the way. Uh, I'm just pulling, I'll cite my sources, History Channel. It falls during the Christian season of Lent. Irish families would traditionally attend church in the morning and celebrate in the afternoon. But Lenten prohibitions against that conception of meat were waived, and the people would dance and drink and feast on traditional meal of Irish bacon and cabbage, which is very well known in my family. Now, funny Jews don't, a lot of them still believe don't split hoof or eat pork. I'm not sure, but I know the Muslim people don't. And uh, anyway, bacon and cabbage or, you know, corned beef and cabbage you'll hear or pork and cabbage or anyway, that's what you're supposed to be. Something green and we wear green and uh, it symbolizes uh, Irish patriotism and American immigrants flourished in the Irish age, which my my relatives were a lot of Irish as far I haven't done my blood, but less all of us think about twenty three and me or ancestry dot com and put in that hundred or two hundred to see whatever it is to see who we really are according to our blood. But Irish ad societies like the Friendly Sons of Saint Patrick and the Hibernian Society. Hibernian H I B E R N I A N Hibernian Society. They'd hold parades and have bagpipes, which began popular in Scottish and British armies and drums. So uh, a lot of you may not know, but uh, they formed a a New York official St. Patrick's Day, and it would have been the world's oldest civilian parade, largest in the United States, with over 150,000 participants. Wow. Every year, nearly 3 million people lined up along the watch and takes more than five hours and uh, also, Boston, Chicago, Philadelphia, and Savannah also celebrate this. And you said Savannah, didn't you? 10, 2020. Yep. But in 2020, the parade at New York was one of the first major events to be canceled due to the recent COVID-19 pandemic. It was canceled in 2021. So you're right. There's no Irish bagpipes. So this is Scottish. There's a, let me tell you about my family because I have to have potatoes around. I know that sounds funny, folks, but a part of me, my uh, Europe, my uh, the Boltons were from the UK, Bolton, Bolton, England, and all that. So we've got those in my family, and uh, the Kellys, the Irish Kellys, and I got somebody that's some famous Kelly up there in the family. It's in my book here. I can go pull off the shelf and show you things. Uh, they were some famous person, but. You know, we all have this religious belief and uh, our unusual accents, which, you know, we all get used to each other in the American Protestant majority. were immigrants, and they were troubled back in the day. Apparently, the Irish was very low uh, when they came over. A lot of them became police officers. <laughs> but they were not thought of. And uh, things changed, but uh, we had to have potatoes around, and there was a potato famine. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, but the Great Potato Famine 
if you look in your genealogy, you'll see some of your people came over to Ireland, I mean from Ireland, in 1845. There was close to a million poor and uneducated Irish Catholics, poor, and they escaped because of starvation. They got on the ships. A lot of them died coming over. But uh, despised for their religions, their alien religious beliefs, it says, and unfamiliar accents that the immigrants had trouble finding jobs, any kind of job. So Irish American in countries, cities took to the street on St. Patrick's Day to celebrate their heritage, to bring more attention to it for the newspapers, and even though they got portrayed as drunks and it says here, I'm just reading off History Child, Violent Monkeys. <laughs> the American Irish soon began to realize their large and growing numbers endowed with political power. They had yet to be exploited. So they started to organize and vote. They made a voting block known as the Green Machine because as an important swing, they swung votes for political hopefuls. So suddenly, all of a sudden, annual St. Dak Patty Day parades became a shove strength for the Irish Americans in New York and Chicago and Cincinnati and Savannah and uh, strength of Irish Americans. So they had to attend this, and uh, that event made them slow. I guess they got into the political candidates. So 1948, President Harry Truman attended the New York St. Patrick's Day Parade, and a moment, uh, a proud moment for the Irish Americans they had to fight stereotypes and racial prejudice in the new world. Now, the city, when I lived in Chicago, they dyed the river green, and that was really cool. And uh, that started in 1962. I was over at Great Lakes in the military and would fly, would uh, take that. Well, I took airplanes in and out, of course, but uh, I would ride the train in to the big windy city. But that practice started in 1962 when city pollution control workers used dyes to trace the illegal sewage discharge, and they realized that that green dye might provide a unique way to celebrate their holiday. So they released 100 pounds of green vegetable dye into the river, and ta-da, today it's ordinary type of, but they say it minimizes environmental damage. Only 40 pounds of dye are used, and the river turns green for several hours, so it's still claimed by the city to be the river of green and original some natives of savannah georgia which richard was speaking about sir richard of our round table our ace metaphysical because we have a magical group we're putting together and we want to know what level of uh esoterics you may be in if you study philosophy religions history parapsychology any type of metaphysics so we'd love to hear from you but the saint patrick's day savannah never attempted to die the river but uh, Woolley maintains, though, they refute the claim. He personally suggested the idea. So Mayor Richard Daly claimed that had suggested the idea. Well, whatever, right? So today, St. Patrick's Day around the world, let's see what we got. Nothing. <laughs> it says uh, from Ireland, including Japan, Singapore, Russia, recipes include Irish soda bread, corned beef and cabbage, and champ. And people often wear green on St. Patrick's Day. Now, I don't know if any of you know about that pinching thing, but when I was a kid in the 50s, if you didn't wear green, somebody would come up and pinch you. Richard, do you know where that trickery started? They had figures. I don't know if I can find that or not, but they would pinch you if you didn't wear green. You know what I'm talking about? Folklore, pinch, hello? 
I think that was a division between, oh, going back a long, long ways back. But, uh, you know, there, there was uh, always a rivalry between the English and the Irish. And, of course, you know, England continued to own and hold sway over Northern Ireland. And, of course, the English was basically the, the, the Protestant Church of England, you know. And, of course, the, the regular Irish in the south, in the southern lands of Irish, of Ireland were uh, Catholics. So, basically... You had the northerners wear orange and the and the southerners wore green. So basically, if you weren't wearing green on St. Patrick's Day, they pinched you because that would indicate that you, as a reminder, that hey, we've got it better over here than you do. Kind of a torch, sort of thing, kind of a teasing gesture, you could say. And of course, when it come along to the United States, to this day, it's still practiced although not near as widespread as it once was, you know, and that's basically you're supposed to wear green in honor of the Irish, in, in honor of St. Patty, you know. But, uh, of course, there's a long history of St. Patrick, and, I mean, I happen to know it pretty well, simply because, you know, as having been clergy for a good long time. Um, but, I mean, uh, St. Patty became a, a bishop, in the by Rome, and he was basically consecrated, and he was sent on a mission to the Isle of Ireland, and he was supposed to cast out all the snakes. Well, the snakes, of course, weren't literal snakes because on an island you very seldom have snakes, since snakes are land animals, and an island is not conducive to snakes for the most part. Um, so anyway, um, the snakes they were referring to were all other religions. That's what the snakes were supposed to represent was all the religions on the island other than of course Roman Catholicism and of course Patrick basically turned his back on Rome and said no I won't be to doing that because you know it's it's just it's just not right you shouldn't be forcing people to look one way or study one particular religion or whatever and of course uh, at one point in time they even threatened to excommunicate him which means that you know when a pope excommunicates a person it means that they're no longer a member of the flock and of course in turn their vestments of office such as his bishopric would have been removed from him but uh, anyway he went down in history of course as, as uh, a bishop the bishop of the Irish of the Emerald Isle and that's why he's remembered to this day well, we have a story of the little people, folks. I think it's only appropriate. We do leprechauns. So there's an icon used, especially when I was a little kid going to school in America, in Monroe, Louisiana. We had little leprechauns, and they're little folks. You know, we see them on Lucky Charms, the cereal. You know what I'm talking about, small-bodied fellow, belief, and uh-oh, something's coming through. Huh? Somebody's sucking or something. It's a weird sound, like sucking. <laughs> uh, <laughs> don't get okay too close then. to the. Don't get too close to the mic. <laughs> In between muting. So the back to the leprechauns. Uh, they had the bite pipe in their mouth. Are uh, you know what they were known for? They, it was Laberson, but they fixed the weed hip folks. <laughs> Oh, goodness. So belief in fairies, tiny men, women, they actually had magical powers for good or evil. That was in our folklores, our leprechauns with cranky souls, responsible for mending the shoes of all the other fairies. Now, we still have little people, and uh, we don't call them – some of them we call little people. We don't, they don't, some of them have different names 
and they sure don't like the word midget, but uh, we've seen in circuses, but that's why they don't like it anymore. So we don't do any kind of racial slurs, but we need to be, with the leprechauns are real, and history.com editors, thank you, because they updated it access March 17th today with history.com. So I want everybody to be motivated to raise your consciousness to be mindful that we don't care what color you are, race, color, creed, your religion, any of that with our group, and that's the way it should be worldwide, and that's what we're going to put out there. So we're a positive group and uh, want to help all of you remain that way because it helps you evolve. Don't you think, Richard, but I like, I like leprechauns, and I like the myths and the fables, but do you have any you want to share today that would make us want to – do St. Patty's Day every year again, maybe after this year or something, celebrate? Well, I would I would certainly hope so. I mean, you know, just because we aren't able to have parades and so forth, there's there's always the, the Irish tradition, you know, of, of sharing a meal together and, and drinking back some good ale, you know, such as Guinness or any of the other Irish brews that are made over there. Um but it's it's a celebration of family. It's a celebration of coming together. It's a celebration of meeting of minds and meeting of hearts and uh, basically allowing all animosity, all bigotry or anything of that nature to fall to the ground and not be, you know, forgotten, basically speaking. In other words, it's it's... You could say it's a it's a day in the year in which all the mending of the fences needs to come to be. So in other words, you know, instead of uh, there being all this separateness, it's all one big happy family, you know, in all in all respects and so forth. Uh, of course, now when it comes to the we people, oh, there's there's thousands of tales about them, you know, and of course they have underground civilizations, basically speaking, with all kinds of towns under the uh, in fairy forts and the likes. You know, and of course, it is said that, you know, uh, where mushrooms bloom, okay, there are oftentimes fairy forts. And these fairy forts are like hill-like places in the woods that are kind of clear, but they're surrounded by mushrooms, like in a circle, okay? And that indicates that that particular mound of the ground is actually an entranceway into the fairy forts themselves, into the homes of the wee people. And that, you know, it used to be said that if you went straying in the woods uh, late in, late at night and there was uh, a mist of fog come over you, you needed to be very, very careful as to where you stepped because if you offended a fairy by, say, crushing or stepping on a mushroom, that in turn you could actually be whisked away underground into these fairy forts. And there the world would, be, would change drastically because you'd no longer be the size that you were as a human being. Rather, you'd be reconstructed as a small person yourself. And that in turn, you know, they could weave all kinds of spells around you and on you and everything else and change your whole reality. And they could keep you there for as long as they deigned to do so because you were being held there by magic. Now, of course, magic is described in many, many different ways in many, many different cultures. But principally, it's basically having an ability that is not common. In other words, an ability that cannot be regulated or an ability that cannot be understood because it is not common in its origin. So therefore, you know, if you're talking we people and leprechauns and all these fairies and all them peoples, then in turn, of course, you're, they are 
riddled with magic, okay? And this magic has the ability to change things and to change people and to change places and all kinds of things. So anyway, uh, there's been lots of tales about, you know, uh, men being taken under the, the hill forts and marrying beautiful uh, queens that, you know, belong to the fairies and to the leprechauns and so on and so forth. And then in turn, uh, they stayed there for the rest of their lives. And then there's been other occasions where they were only enchanted and they were brought into the fairy forts for only a few hours or perhaps a couple of days and then again released again as a human being. And they would usually find themselves completely disoriented and not aware of where they've been or not aware of where they are at the moment. So they have to you know, get their their act together, you could say. They, they have to decide where it is that they, they are and exactly what they're to do next and all of this kind of thing because now they have this big hole in their memory, sort of, kind of, but it's there, but it's not there. In other words, since they have no conscious memory of what's transpired, there's really not a hole. It's just that they only become consciously aware of where they are at right now. They have no conscious memory of what happened yesterday. So... Well, no, you know, we welcome all the fairies and all those of you that study the fairies, if you believe in fairies. And I know growing up we believed in fairy tales, but there's a, they, there's different people believing in different things when they got started. So we welcome anybody that's writing articles on uh, history of the fae, F-A-E, and there was TV shows about the fae. And uh, the different things that they do and uh, how they can play trickeries on you. And uh, Peter Pan had one. You got the most famous, I guess, thanks to Disney, is Tinkerbell. But uh, there was some, believe it or not, when a magical spell was the God transforms Godmother Cinderella into uh, Cinderella's fate of drudgery and enchantment. And she had little bitty tiny beings that were uh, actually smaller than a pumpkin they turned the mice into these little men original folklore the 12th century english scholar and canon lawyer writings of gervais of tilbury t-g-e-r-v-a-s-e so all of you people that are writers and history people uh, remember this 12th century english scholar and canon lawyer that wrote about fairies now, they've been going on for a long time, and, of course, they're part of our enchanted places with animals, and uh, also for the good and the evil. So there were some that had spirits and sprites, and, uh, we'll, you know, you'll have to go and look yourself as to what you feel like fairies have evolved into back in time when the mysterious places were filled with fairies that Richard talked about. Some cast spells and curses. In Ireland in particular, they have referring uh, names like the little people, the gentry, are the neighbors. Ah, can you imagine talking about the neighbors? <laughs> C.S. Lewis, author of the Chronicles of Narnia. Narnia. I think that's you, Richard, uh, on, uh, when you breathe in. I, I think that your phone is picking that up. You'll be able to hear it back. <laughs> but today, uh, some, at least he's breathing, folks. <laughs> he's not blocking the fairy pass. So fair, you're right. There's fairy paths and hills that have these little paths that you've seen that they thought were made by some animals or whatever, but they would be haunted cottages as well. And some were built with back doors along the front and along the back of the 
the little fairy cottages, and they had little fairy passes. So this was written about in Irish college, in, in the Irish uh, colonies, uh, led stories and legends, and these are some names, flying varieties. Oh, yeah, a lot of them flew, didn't they, like Tinkerbell. They had pixies and elves and goblins and trolls and leprechauns with the most common species. And I grew up, had a book about pixies, The Fairy Tree, written by Richard Doyle in 1865. So there's a famous, I guess, painting, traditional stories. Or maybe this is, it doesn't, it just says family, The Fairy Tree by Richard Doyle, 1865. So they have all sizes, shapes, and types. So uh, you know that this, we're not making this up, of course, you folks know that. But how does the magic, Marcy, get in here. How does the magic that we hold so dear that we know can be true and that we can create our own reality? We have uh, good fairies and it's uh, not so nice sprites and all that. But, you know, we've always had these stories. Did you grow up listening to fairy tales at all? Marcy, do you know? No. I just, like, I have, like, my ex, he's Irish. I swear to God, he's like an incarnation from an elf. He's got huh. big green eyes. Um, another friend of mine, Tweed, was, was a fairy. And even Eileen, when I Skyped with her, I told her she has fairy energy. So some of them are incarnate in, in physical bodies. They're just ultra-sensitive to a lot of things. Um, again, it's back to frequency as you raise your frequency because a lot of the, the spirits and the guides cannot deal with our dense energy of the carbon energy of shame, fear, guilt. The more I clear out, the more I will, and Richard will confirm it, and Sean, I will draw it. Um, I will see fairies. I will see unicorns. I will see different energies that are going on or the sirens that are, that are hearing, that we hear those sounds. So it's all, once we raise our vibration and our frequency, then the dimensions of the different ones that are going on. Um, one time I was, I bought a big dragon at Baldini's with my, my comps, and this was when I was channeling with Elohim. I didn't know that they were real. I didn't know what was going on, and... I was told, it's like, oh, your dragon is protecting the other dragons that are coming in. And, you know, Richard and, and Shauna picked up, I have a golden dragon with me. Once we get to certain, like I said, frequency like a dial, they will communicate with us. They will be around us. And then they will start talking to us or giving us visions that are going on. But you have to be, like, really, really high them to be able because they're a lighter frequency than this heavy dense energy we, we have around us so on my altar i have fairies i have dragons i have um elves you know i, I was kind of upset with my son a few years ago because i bought a cake with a um on top of it was a leprechaun with a rainbow and i put it aside and i'm like well, where did it go when he goes well i threw it away and he never throws away anything. So I wanted to put it up on my wall, but I couldn't. So as long as we acknowledge them and um, see where their energies are that, are that are happening and talk to them, then they hear us. We just have to hear or see or feel what they're communicating to us. 
sometimes they, they happen to disappear. I had, my son had like a stuffed unicorn one time and it ended up um, in the next room the next day. I've had crystals disappear. You were talking about the fairy in your crystal. They, they will communicate, they will move things around, which is called apports, or they will bring things to you out of the middle of nowhere. I'm sorry, people think I'm three doing the show, but I want to talk about, uh, hold on, <laughs> I, want to, I want to talk about um, all that. Hi, Angela, I'm still on the radio for an hour, we got started late, that's okay. All right, so uh, with the people, you said the, the, the people next to us that guide us are, some people call it a parallel reality. I don't know if you guys want well, to talk about that. Reality. They, they talk to each other, and it's like when Abby was channeling Elohim, or she would see the orbs, because a lot of times that's what they are, and she's like, they're delegating who's going to talk. Or they talk to other people to come in. So it's almost like they have their own communication that mm-hmm. they're going on. They, they decide who they're going to talk or what they're going to say or what need, what we need to learn as far as our abilities or our awareness or our love or, you know, whatever you want to fill in the blank on that. So there's well, many, many of them. Since some of us are involved with them, we can say that fairies do exist, and there's theories of ancient origins and how they all permeated in the collective human consciousness. But some write it off as myths and legends that can't see them. Right. But there was Harry Houdini and the um, great uh, Sherlock Holmes that did believe, and there was some girls back in the day that caught some pictures out, but they're still, whether they were proven some yes and some no, but, you know, Here's the deal. With our folklore and legends and the memories of us as a species, we roll over into another colony of myth, legend, and thought. But it says that when the the tales of who we are and those things that we don't really understand, they're sophisticated tools that can use to interpret human experiences happening that can help us understand the reality of ourselves because we really – only see through the uh, filters and the lenses that we create called uh, reality and we create our own truth. And it is that we are creating our own consciousness out there, folks. That's what the experience is all about. So just because we can't see other cultures, ancient aliens, ancient origins, or um, humanity's past, or the fairies, or the fae, or any type doesn't mean they don't exist. It just means you have not explored or have not an open part of what you exist in your reality with your DNA or your molecules. And maybe some of us are here to get smarter and open up to the fact that there's other unexplained dimensions, places, worlds, histories, and human origins even that we're looking to explore. And I believe that's the port. We're opening up our own portal here with this radio show and the metaphysical portions of it. And I love the Fae and all of the stories of them. And I grew up with them and the mysterious phenomena, but now it's very logical. And I was an investigator most of my life. So I was sent out to just get the facts. 
But as I got the facts, I leaned more towards the things of uh, science fiction and fantasy, but not until I was already into my career as law enforcement, criminal justice, investigator, send out, get the facts, travel the world, and evolve like law enforcement, investigator, government. But, you know, as I've gotten older, I've mellowed out, hung out with some tree huggers in my life out in Hawaii, had a spiritual journey, got to meet a fairy, or at least her fly in, show us a whole dimension that we didn't even know existed, took my breath away, opened up a portal. I didn't even believe in portals. So it was experiences that were so cutting edge, but you had to have no meat. It's like the old uh, Kabbalah, the old esoteric and the old uh, magic, that you had to fast for three days and clean your body, no meat in it. You know, you had to be very pure and wash and... uh, they made us do all that cleaning stuff, a lot like the Christ uh, uh, God-like people that before they really learned anything that was of value, they had to be clean and oiled up, so to speak. So that's sort of what they did. It was like an initiation. But they wanted us very clean to go around these type of beings that are very environmental. Now, some of them call them environmentals. Uh, But this is something that we need to catalog with our group. So if you have any friends out there, Marcy or or Richard, that would like to help us, there's plenty of groups out there that do this. Uh, We could catalog and help find out who's doing it. And uh, I'm sure there's plenty of people in uh, art, you know, the Middle Earth Like Elves. There's an artist, uh, well, there's all types of them. But in 1691, it looks like Aberfoyle, Scotland. Fairies of Aberfoyle. There's a beautiful painting I'm looking at. I can't see who did it. It looks like A-R-A-D-I-A in the bottom. But anyway, uh, people, will let you do your own mysterious phenomena, <laughs> history of the Fae. Uh-huh. Susan, um, I connected with Eileen after the show, and we talked for, um, I don't know, about an hour, an hour and a half. She showed yeah. me her artwork where she's been all around the world. And I told her she had the fairy energy, and I suggested to her, I don't know if she's going to do it or not. I haven't talked to her since that, but she's also, well, reconnected. She has talked to Laura. They've been interconnected. Um, but I, I suggested to her, put fairies in your artwork. Because she showed me one picture was like a um, black jaguar, she said, in South America, and, and also jaguar in it. And that's what mm-hmm. her, she stopped doing it. After the pandemic, but she's working on the one now, and it's almost like she's drawn to do these these wonderful. And I I could feel the energy more strongly with her artwork than anybody else coming out of the brilliant colors that she does. My daughter, and so this my artwork. Yeah. What? I get what my daughter just came in. I'll ask her to do a fairy. I'll have to show her. But yeah, maybe yeah, or, or, some of our members that were uh, artists and help them uh, just display it. A lot of them will do a small one that you can't really uh, blow up and use, you know, because they want their art to be right. art original. But we are cataloging people's artwork around the world with various artists. So that would be a good deal for us. We've got so much to do, folks. <laughs> just let us know what you're interested in. Well, uh, Marcy, so uh, are you suggesting that you'll help with some of these artists as they come in? Because everybody well, needs, been, uh, 
Well, like Shauna is a fantastic artist, and she does the automatic drawings, but she doesn't want to be used for her abilities. But she has drawn dragons. She has drawn my little gray cloud. She has drawn all these other things. My friend Raven that I want you to incorporate with, she's in the U.K. She, you did that reading for her, but because she's in the U.K., she has a hard time Skyping. And um, Richard is fine, has connected with her also. And so I have my kind of elitist group that I have handpicked. A lot of people I've eliminated. I've had to let go a lot of my friends. Um, but the ones that are very aware, you know, we were all yeah. like, have known each other for years. That's why I wrote my book. These people are in my book, you know, Richard included, Raven, Shauna, you know, all these people, because I want to show a support group of our abilities and no wow. one's better than anybody else. That's a book. The book has channel drawings, channel paintings, you know, of my experiences. What's that going on? What's the name of the book? Remember I told you, Theta, the T for tone, um, H for healing, E for energy, T for tones, and A for ascension. Oh, that's and it's on Amazon. I've got a picture what? of you on this. Yeah, I'm, yeah, that's what I'm holding my Theta book. So, yeah, we have... Yeah, that's that's my that's why I have it. This is my book about my life experiences from when I was born up until uh, May when I I just got done working with mentally challenged people and Richard was help supporting me because he's like you're done with this and my guides would say you're done and then unfortunately my friend Chris he pulled something on me and I had to drop my friendship with him but he was a technical writer and he helped, plus I worked on him and did tones he lived in Reno. Um, I may become friends with someone in the future, but right now I just had to step back from them. And so he helped me write the book. We printed the books out, and my guys only said 56 pages. So it ended like in May. We got the book produced, and then I started back to working. And so it's got, you know, Richard's story. It's got Shauna's story. And it's so great because they're now interconnecting with each other. Wow. How Richard, about that? That's an yeah. idea. Well, I asked Richard if he well, wanted to do a book. Well, that's what and, and oh, okay. we're all interconnected. We're all a support system with it. And now, you know, Laura's in it. And it was kind of funny where I'm like, if if only one person can buy the book, then it's great. And I met Laura, and Laura and I became friends, and she's in the Bay Area, and we had lunch together with Chris. And Richard and Laura talk, and that's what we're all building this kind of web or ball web, whatever you want to call it. They're all now integrating with each other. Cool. Well, I'm glad y'all started that. I know. And uh, can you get that book on Amazon, or do you have to pay yeah, you? Yeah, it's and on Amazon, it? and also my books are, it's like if you go Google, you know, Marcy Cossage, I'm all over the place. My tones are on. On YouTube under Marcy Cossage, and then I, my book is "We're After You, The Wizard." Of my friends and I, when we start out in our our teens, was being psychic and our abilities, and there was no way to help us. And the state is more my journey and more advanced now with Richard, Shauna, Raven, all these other people of what I've had to go through to become whole, them, their support system. And wow. that's, that's what my mission is. 
Well, it seems like it's growing. Well, some of people read it and really like the book. What? I guess I guess it's all going to grow. The spiritual growth of individuals, yeah. and then the, it will blossom. And I'm saying that Ascension Center is all about blossoming and the d- divine right. healing and the source flow, so to speak, energy transfer, kinetic, magnetic, and. Uh, Folks, we do uh, share as mediums, and we use stones and crystals and cards and uh, tarot, I Ching, color therapy, writing. Uh, you help a lot of writers, runes, astrology, art, of course, we've been talking about, psychometry, message therapy, numerology, music, healing, and, of course, the arts taking in the little people. But we also have space brothers and sisters, master teachers, avatars, uh, past lifers. And we work with telepathy and medium trance, deep trance. And a lot of you that have been wanting to do uh, trance channeling are just understanding how artists, writers, and musicians all channel and have their muses. There's all types of uh, clarity that we're going to get. And we're all helping each other in the inner worlds and the outer worlds. And some of us have opened up portals. But we say do not follow where the path may lead. Go instead where there is no path and leave a trail. Well, that's easier said than done, <laughs> which I found out. When I go try to don't follow but lead, go instead where there is no path and leave a trail. But that is one of our oldest sayings in our world of Ascension Masters. And uh, I'm gonna, I've got a lot of books out there too, but mine were all leading us up to the Ascension Age and how to be a, a, a life coach and the different types of life coaches or – how to know cosmology when it wasn't popular 10, 15 years ago. And now it's all getting to be the way it is. So we do change reality. And we want to know if you're into the foundation of self-improvement and well-being and if you want to assist us in the Ascension Ancient Mystery Schools because we're going to be working with the Psychic Awakening classes and start certifying again, and we certify every three years. But uh, to be truthful, we had accumulated people with social media understanding that they wanted to get into our realization and into our lives because so many people out there have their involvement in groups and they're really not philosophical religions. Uh, We talk about all the old world religions and a lot of our fae and magic and uh, affected life isn't, it's uh, metaphysical. We were metaphysicians, but uh, we incorporate a lot of uh, science. We do uh, science, technology, engineering, and math and the heart math and the oversoul and working on how we're working with our whole entity, higher selves. Richard, you want to come back in here and talk about the future holds with bringing people in? We're going to let them discuss their dreams and feelings, and you want to have some workshops or uh, it's something we need to talk about with Marcy and your friends that you've already created. Maybe we should have a special Zoom meeting or something for them all at one time to go through some of these and we all get certified at once is a yeah, possible did, yeah, like, have, my son was in she's recently called herself in which I, I gotta get used to but she she's got she studied herbology she studied healing with plants she's got she's very creative in her artwork but she's also gone to school for like I forget helping people but she's she's really good on like herbs, healing herbs, things like that. Like what I was talking to her yesterday. 
Yeah, that that's her. She's got her certificate. I forgot what it is, but she's in the UK, so it's hard for her to to Skype unless she's on. Uh, she's skyping with me while while I'm on the phone with you. But like yesterday, she was like, "Marcy, I'm seeing a big giant green diamond emerald next to you," you know, or Shauna um, drew Kwan Yin for me, you know, and she goes and has the the um, lotus flower in her hand, so. They will come up with inspirations. Richard will see things. We'll feel things. We'll hear things. And it's just as we're helping each other, each of us is growing. You know? That's great. And that you're able to share that. So, folks, we are growing. We are in service to the planet. Oh, yeah. And uh, our human consumptions and our conceptions. But we are stewards. For the planet, you know, the fairies can only lift so much. Honestly, there are really little radiances, you know, but they have a unified peace, and they do decide who they will and will not let them see, and that is really based a lot on your own faith, your strength, and if you're fighting off your vices for virtues. So they prefer very virtuous people, from what I've been told when I went up the mountain. And so I got to hear a lot about loving nature, and be kind to one another. And they were really big on all this. So I guess I didn't meet the Sprites or the Pixies or the one. <laughs> I must admit the real good fairy types because the universe that uh, they opened up the door to, they had teachers with rainbows and radiant colors and all of that. So that will be fun if we can learn how to lift. Now, one thing we want to work on is, yes, many, many groups are coming together. In March, I think 25th and 6th is the mass Heart math, uh, drum below does the heart stuff. And then the, we're working on the brain and the heart together and the whole being and the whole brain. So all of us are working on our human. And uh, we're going to be working with the ascension masters that speak and assist the ascended masters. And Marcy got plugged into that through Richard. And there is a, some other levels with the tones, Marcy. I didn't know if you knew that or not. I wish you could see the book. No, tones have been around for thousands and thousands of years all around the world. Yeah. And the the, the churches were built, built for the tones. And that's why, ah. like, when, like I said, with, when Elohim came in through Abbey, I said, what do the tones do? They said, the tones come in so that we can work on people's Akashic records. Ah. And so, so what, all the old would the, wake the people up in the churches, maybe. They'd vibrate. Because I sure the know sounds, the difference. Yeah. The, the stones. They have in, in Ireland, they have a, a dome you go into. They have in Malta. They have in India. They have the, the stones that are set up in layers for the 442 hertzes. Because wow. I was always watching Ancient Aliens and the History Channel, and they'd go down into these places, and they would measure the hertzes with the, the tone, the sounds, or the rocks. So your body is supposed to vibrate at that frequency. And then once you get the 110 hertzes when I do the sounds, either you go to your guides or your guides come to you. And so people will float, again, out of their body, or they will have their guides like Richard and I and Shauna and Ravenna, this is our, our normal conversation, what guides or who's coming through or 
what what is happening to whatever we're doing the healing work on what's happening so we get verification from each other so it's been around that's what they used to do with and they said i think i was reading like 11 11,000 hertz is something on that to move the stones or they have a guy that's a music teacher that videotaped i keep on forgetting his name but he videotaped he figured out with the 200 to 300,000 hertzes, he has a videotape of cancer cells exploding. The same thing I've done with the healing my dog that had cancer. It, it dissipates those lower frequencies, and it brings in guys. It does so much, and that's why I love doing what I'm doing. This is my eye. Watching well, people transform. Well, folks, we're going to talk about unification and cooperation with each other, but integration and how to polarize ourselves to work <laughs> with each other and the masculine, feminine, and procreation. But the foundation we're putting together is a blending of elements of this reality. But we're also blending in the etheric reality as well, the structural concepts are, are mental and spiritual as well. But uh, the one thing I was asked for creative order and help on the planet was evolutionary education channeling and also communication. So we're going to expand our senses intuitively. So knowing and sensing and facilitating that is what I do. But I had to go through many years of communication for channeling and write. And I spent seven years over in Hawaii. And we did written and spoken word and inner vision, voice, sensing, taste, and smell. And we had initiates, and we became instinctive in our um, Buddhist temples. And we did the basic ohms and, you know, all, all of that. But we're going to expand the basic survival for dimensions now. So we're going to use the heart and go through our peace center and our heart throat chakras and help all of you learn about more knowing and sensing for the impasse because we have to not just have a meditative state in this reality, but we've accepted the sevenfold flame of the, the vices and virtues. So all of you learn that. That's part of one of your ascended masters in the Christ consciousness, but also Baba G and a lot of others. So we're going to use the seven steps, but, you know, we're going to work with the energy all around us, the eight foot and the white light and all the things that we teach you. And we're going to ask all of us to be initiates at one level so we can all start together. It's probably a remake of what you've all learned if you've been in any of the Ascension Age or what we used to call the New Age. And then uh, coming over into learning your channeling exercises. And not every intuitive learned the energy for channeling. It was interesting because a lot of it was poo pooed upon, as many things are, learning how to attune to your higher source and your higher self and also your teachers and angels. But these energies are good for healing, they're good for healing self, others, and the planet. And we're going to talk about messaging and meditation and studying and using your own journals and your dream journals. And now the kids are way ahead of us. On tick a lot of the adults I hear in these uh, YouTubes and uh, these groups that uh, work together, they're saying they don't have time to go to TikTok, and that's for all the kids. But that's where all the kids are on their pathfinding and they're choosing probationary paths and helping each other. So it's not – some of them, they're a lot further advanced than we are, and on others, they're very far behind. So maybe if we can get our baby boomers actually working on the heartfelt self and the hearing and clearing and uh, working together, we can all hold, uh, the, hold the line without judgment, so to speak. So that's the journey we're on now. Richard, would you like to add anything? I think it's best if we just uh, on St. Patrick's Day go forward and hold on to the wealth and abundance we have today. 
and uh, hope for some more in that pot of gold you must be holding on to. <laughs> oh well, the pot of gold is it, it, endless. It's it never <laughs> it never empties. Every time you take a bar from it, another bar appears, and another bar, and another bar, and another bar, because the pot of gold is just endless. So That's you know, it's just a, yes, it's 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 never ending. It's, it just has no end. Now we I have mean, enough have, for everybody, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> enough for everybody, and then some. Not only planet wide, but universe wide. I mean, however far you want it to spread, it'll spread. Ain't no problem. <laughs> Well, we're going to anyway, be making that happen, and Richard's going so to be you, in charge of our pot of gold. <laughs> so you see, in, in ancient days, okay, and I can't even tell you exactly when precisely it was declared, but a long time back, all right, the old ones, or the gods of myth and legend and so forth now, decreed that there would be a veil that come down between the worlds, all right? Yeah. And when the worlds we're speaking of is the world of man and the world of the fae or the world yeah. of the magic, okay? And the veil came down, and when the veil came down, it separated man's sight from their ability to perceive that which was on the other side of the veil. Ah. So you could say in a matter of speaking, you see, if you can't peek through the veil, or if you can't wash a window in the veil, you can't see what's on the other side. So that's why, you know, the fae and the, and the sprites and the spirits of all kinds, the elementals and all of them, are basically in a separate dimension, so to speak, but at the same time, they're just radiating, like Marcy had said, you know, they just radiated a, a little bit higher frequency than we do, and as a result, they can pick and choose as to who sees them and when and where. And sometimes that's, that picking is shared, and sometimes that picking is a peaking. So if you've got a window through, in, through into the veil, then, of course, you see all the all the gay, all the all the wee folk and all the all the fairies and all them peoples, you know, like that. Whenever you so choose, or of course you have what you'd call a fae voice, which is a, a specific tone that allows them to know that they should not be afraid of you because you certainly aren't afraid of them, and that they're more, most of what, they're more welcome than ever to come and share your space. So, anyway, the the veil has over time gotten thinner and thinner and thinner and thinner. And now it's probably the thinnest it's ever been. So it's going to be an awakening not only to ourselves and all that we are capable of, but in reality, all that surrounds us on all the various dimensions. Uh, I mean, I, I was reading an insight the other day, and I was uh, being more or less told, or, or, or it was shared with me, you know, that, that the other side is actually the spirits from that have passed to the other side are actually walking among us. The only reason we can't see them is, again, a difference of frequency and dimension. So if their vibrations and their frequencies are higher than ours, that would absolutely describe why it is, excuse me, explain why it is that we can't see them or hear them. But, of course, a great many of us are born perceiving them as far as sight and sound goes and so forth, so there's really no problem there. I mean, I've been holding spiritual conversations with spirits all my life. So, you know, <laughs> seeing them and perceiving them. But, of course, now, you see, we have a good out nowadays because, you see, if you're walking down the street and you're holding a conversation with yourself, all you've got to have is a YouTube device, you know, I mean, a, 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 
a Bluetooth device in your ear, and they think you're automatically talking on the phone, even though they don't see a phone in your hand. So you see, that way you can covertly be talking to spirit, and they don't even know you're doing so because they presume that you must be caught up on a phone conversation somewhere, and they just don't happen to see the phone that's wedged in your pocket somewhere. Yeah, there's a lady going. <laughs> yes. Heard, uh... Richard? Yes. The only okay, I understand that part, but when I would have telepathic conversations with people, as you guys know, I call it the CB Wonder look because my, I get in these waves. And the telepathy I would have with people, I would try to stay normal, and people would see my eyes and my energy, and they're like, "Are you okay?" It's like, "Yeah, I'm fine." Or like I was telling Richard earlier, when when I was in the middle of gambling. Um, and I'd have these conversations with them, and they're like, oh, do you max bet? And I'm like, I don't want to do max bet. And I'd be having these conversations. And then Addie would go, you're, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing because I had many, many lessons on letting go and many, many levels of letting go. And it was kind of funny. Like I would just got done with the casinos where I don't want to gamble anymore, and then everything kind of shut down. My car got stolen. Um, I'm down to the last few hours. I have money at home, but it was kind of funny. It was like that part of my life was done, but it was like always they'd be talking to me, either casinos or somebody was channeling through me or somebody else I'd help to channel. He's like, oh, everybody's looking at you, and I'd be at the casinos, and they're like, oh, nobody's looking at me. I'm like, oh, they're all watching me. You know, it's like you can know, these these things about you're unobserved, or they're com- coming through, or your energy, your ways, and people sense that at a certain level, they just don't know what it is. Oh, yeah. Well, I've had people go to dinner with me tonight, and I, sometimes I get in the car and I'm saying, are you, are you talking to yourself? And there'll be a Bluetooth little bud in their ear. And it's really weird because people aren't even aware when they're getting around people that don't do that. I'm older, folks. I'll be 70. But I don't have one of those little things in my ear. And these kids are, you know, hanging out with my kids in their 40s, you know. And so they've got these things. And they're young people, but they still, I mean, they're young to me. But anyway, you're right. I mean, there's people that don't know that we talk to people on the other side. But, you know, not everybody's willing to admit that. But we will hold this day, folks. Let me say Patrick was born in Britain. He was a Romanized family at the age of 16. So we're going to keep St. Patty's Day as our official coming out real person to you on talking to people on the other side with our group, okay, sort of a fancy day that we know we're going to get together once a year and celebrate life, okay, when hopefully in the future we can do more than just meet on radio. But this guy, had uh, he was torn by Irish raiders from the villa of his father, Calpurnius, a deacon and minor local official carried into slavery in Ireland. So he spent six bleak years as a herdsman, and he turned to faith. So upon dreaming that a ship in which he was to escape was ready, he fled his master and found passage to Britain. Well, we got to love him for dreaming that in his mind. So that came up, and he found the passage to Britain. So he saw that in his mind and had it in his face before it ever happened. So you got to love the guy. Then he came near to starvation, suffered briefly of captivity where he was united with his family, but he had to pay a short visit to the continent, it says, so the best-known passage is the Confesso, the Confessio, which tells of a dream and his return to Britain, and which victorious deliver, vic, Victoricus 
they delivered him a later a letterhead, the voice of the Irish. As he read it, he seemed to hear a certain company of Irish beseeching him to walk once more among them. So he was deeply moved by this. So he says, I could read no more. So nevertheless, the shortcomings of his education, he was reluctant to go out and respond to the call back to his old land. But on the eve of reembarkation for Ireland, he was best beset by doubts of fitness. But once the field in the field, his hesitations vanished. So he got confident in the Lord. He journeyed far and wide, baptizing and confirming and uh, in an untiring zeal, it says. So in diplomatic fashion, he brought back gifts to a kinglet and a lawgiver and accepted none from any. And on the least occasion, he was cast into chains. Uh-oh. On another, he addressed pathos of farewell cup. Converts slain, had been slain or kidnapped. Wow. So this guy had, uh, it says, careful to deal with a non-Christian Irish, he nevertheless lived constant danger of martyrdom. <laughs> wow, he was he was a rebel, I guess. So the evocations that you may hear are called laborious episcopate, which he replies to his charge in great grief, endorsed by his ecclesiastical superiors in Britain. He originally sought office for the sake of office, but he was a most humble-minded man, pouring for continuous pagan beliefs, or paying thanks to maker have chosen him an instrument whereby multitudes had worshipped idols and unclean things. He became a people of the God. So uh, the phenomenon, the phenomenon, not, what? Okay. So it is increasingly recognized that despite that occasional mirror or truth, okay, uh, St. Augustine, go talk to her and let her know we're going. The most the moral and spiritual greatness of a man shines through his rustic Latin. So I guess it was hard for him to keep Latin. You know, those guys. Now, Richard, was he the, I guess I can get on down here and read about it. The Pope Celestine 431 said at first bishop to the Irish believers in Christ. I don't get it. So did they not believe in Christ or what's the deal on Patrick? Uh, well, a, no. It was a the Catholic pagans, or was he Christian? Or the both? pagans that the pagans that basically, you know, resided in the Isle didn't believe in the church. They'd never heard of Christ. They never heard of Christianity at all. Period. So, you know, uh, basically, he was what you would call called forth by God to spread the word about Christ in regards to, you know, uh, Christ representing salvation from the opinionated uh, ways, you know, that they had come upon and so forth. And like I said, at one point in time, he was actually brought to Rome and made a bishop, and that's who made him the bishop of Ireland. It was Rome, not not a regular, not any other, uh, he, wasn't, he wasn't a bishop as far as I know as Britain is concerned. I don't believe he was ever, ever raised to the bishop, bishopric by the English church. But anyway, yes. Uh, that was it a, looks that like was both thing. of them. It looks like the Protestant Church of Ireland and the Roman Catholic Church. I don't know if they feud over him or there's Northern Ireland at St. Paul, St. Patrick. He had the monastic school and a saint's well and bathhouse preserved down past. I guess you had to be clean like we were talking about. You learned how to oh, yeah. you didn't have to walk around dirty all the time. So the Holy Trinity was his shamrock. So that's the new right. flower or three-leaved plant. 
one stalk, that's they wear the shamrock as a national flower on their lapels. And he used that as the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, or the Holy Trinity. Now it says that another legend is, is that Holy Trinity. So uh, so I guess it didn't matter if they were Catholic or Protestant, but they, is that what all those fights were about? I, I'm yes. sorry, but in my world religions, I remember the arguments, but I wasn't sure if what the arguments were over except doctrine, right? So, Well, the you... Protestant church is the Church of England, and the Catholic church is the, is the Church of Rome. So, ah. you know, the, Roman, the Romans wanted Ireland for, the, for Rome, and, the, and England wanted the Ireland for the Protestant church of England. So therefore, that's where the fight started, and that's where the fight remains. Well, thank you. In all my world religions I've studied, and I'd get to that part, and I guess I got tired because we were so close to the Trinity and the Christian doctrine and the unity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and the Godhead. I didn't know, well, did they believe in the Godhead or not? But it says the central Christian affirmations about God had the threefold figure, and the Creator, Lord, and Salvation, Father, and Judge, as revealed in the Old Testament, but two, the Lord who incarnated figure of Jesus Christ lived among human beings was present in the midst as a resurrected one. And three, the Holy Spirit was whom experienced the helper, our intercessor, in the power of the new life. So this is when all that started, and they had different groups and different denominations as, okay, you know, do you believe in the Holy Spirit and the dove, and you know, that's the separate creator. So I can see how that could be you know, if you're teaching people and then they're getting all these pagan beliefs involved with the Latin and the Greek and what else do they put? Latin, Greek, Coptic, Hebrew, and, you know, then you have the intercessor coming along, which they say, well, that's the Holy Spirit and what you really are is your soul. But then who is this incarnated figure is Jesus Christ. And is, if that's not the father and the judge, well, who is that for salvation? And the doctrine gets all messed up. So I guess this guy winds up trying to sort it out. So apparently he means a lot <laughs> to philosophy. Well, yeah, religion. to the Irish people, for sure. Oh, okay. So this was mainly going on between right there in Ireland, I guess. It says 431-432 CE. Is that before Christ existed or after Christ existed? To be uh, before death and after death, be, you know. CE is but, after Christ. BCE is before Christ. B.C. was before Christ, and right. they say B.C. is after. After death, yeah, they used to say that. Now it stands for something else. Oh, I don't know what it stands for anymore. Well, we're going to develop all this, folks, and, you know, you don't have to be religious, but, you know, it helps to study world religions, but, you know, you get – I don't. I, I do study in every day, folks, that I go on YouTube and listen to different people. I've been listening to this Jewish guy that cracks me up. On esoterica, if you want to look in on it, on the on the, a lot of the magic, he's covering a lot of things. I don't even know his name. Just look up esoterica, one word, on YouTube. But an alternative solution was to interpret Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as three modes of the self-disclosure of one God. So the first tendency was the directness among three. But the cost of their equality, hence their unity, subordinationism. <laughs> The second term for unity at the cost of distinctness is persons, modalism, modalism. And the high point of conflicts, Arian controversy, the Arian 4th century interpretation of a god Arius, sought to maintain a formal understanding of one godness, indefinite 
of the uh, oneness. He was a blessed. All right. A lot of stuff going on. So let's, save, let's save that for Sunday, okay? <laughs> You're getting all in uh, depth yeah, about the oh, church and all this other stuff. It goes know? into the Council of Nicaea. So that's yes no. really different. So yes. that, that, folks, we'll save yes. that for Sunday. Because yes. this gets to be, I had no idea this St. Patrick's Day had to do with all of this. So it has to do, right. even the shamrock. So it all has some deep meaning. Besides the leprechaun. <laughs> oh, yeah. Definitely. The Irish to Christianity. Well, let's, uh, let's, since we had a late start and I got people bugging me to death to go yes, to dinner. Heart me too. Folks. All right. Well, let's go because we went, let's just have a, we didn't have any uh, body because it was short notice. We've only got 19 minutes left. So this will be a, we'll cut off 20 minutes on the end. Apologize for getting started late, but Lisa Marcy and Richard showed up. So, folks, thank you so much. We hope you like this little, I got, turned out to be a little tribute to metaphysics and St. Patrick's Day. And Richard Knight and Marcy Cossage. So keep up the good work. And uh, I'll sit here and try to punch buttons. And I apologize to everybody that missed it. Uh, Marcy and, and Richard, do y'all advertise your, your uh, stories on Facebook afterwards or before? Do you just put them out afterwards? Yes, one of these things, like, go ahead, Richard. I was just going to say I steer them continuously. Oh, okay. You steer them to the, okay. Well, then we need to apologize. One of the things I want to. Yeah, go ahead. Say whatever you want. Yeah. One of the things when I was, Abby was telling Elohim, because I I was talking about ETs eight, ten years ago, and I was going to stop doing it. And they're like, you don't know the levels of the amount of people that are reading what you're, you're, you're writing. So I continually post, I continually like enlighten, I continually teach as many people, people on my, my Facebook and inner exchange, but I do look at people's um, profiles and if you're fishing or anything like that, I look at your past, I look at who you are. So I have, I'm very picky on who's on my Facebook. It's got like 500 people on it because I want people to feel comfortable to be able to express, you know, as far as what's going on. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn. My book is also on Amazon. My tones are under my name. So I have all these different ways. I have a bunch of blogs on my LinkedIn. Um, The last one that I wrote about was quantum entanglement. So that's kind of like what we were talking about, energies, people at the same time being able to communicate. So there's many, many ways I'm communicating. Awesome. Well, thank you. That'll help uh, for sure. I just found your Amazon right now popped up for me, so I'll be able to order that book. It says Marcy oh, A. It says I'm off to yeah. be, be the wizard. I'm off to be the wizard or I'm off to free the That's wizard. That's what I wrote about, yeah, eight years ago. My okay, friends and I on our journey, and I'm still friends with them, which is kind of interesting. You know, I'm turning 60, and so these are 40, some of my friends I've been friends with for 40 years well, on this journey. That same friend that I do on my books, it's that Harry what? Potter question mark. You've got the same picture on your book as I've got on my book. Isn't that interesting? Well, my book, well, on one of them, because on certain things I wasn't able to publish but on the ones on the Exlevis where the, um, whatever the word is, um, 
corrections or the the writing. That's a picture of my house I grew up with, but they it wouldn't go on it. So on the Amazon ones, that's the Harry Potter wand thing. I'm off to so I have purple. It's purple. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Well, if All I right. may, ladies, I'm going to bid you a good night and a farewell. Right. And Robinson, we go right. to our audience. If there's anyone out there, I'm sure there are. Anyway, a blessed St. Patty's Day. All y'all be safe. Until next time, whichever right. night that happens to be, tomorrow. All right. <laughs> All right. We'll That's the editing that had problems in the first book. Okay, that was a word. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. All right, well, I'm glad we all got to connect, and the more that people can expand, this is what the guys want. This is what I was told to do. So, you know, we're all together. And they right. said, go for it. <laughs> you know? I don't yeah. do anything without them because if I say no, they will, or yes, they will find ways. So it's all up to them. They guide all of us. Well, they got through today after we had all kind of people telling us we couldn't get on today. So uh, they wanted this out. They wanted to write, let y'all know about about St. Patrick, right? And and Richard, right. Richard. Yeah, they wanted us to know. All right, love and light. We'll see y'all tomorrow. Thank you, everybody. Love I and light. enjoyed it. We'll bye. get better at this. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye.